Welcome to GovTech Talks. I'm Jen Bensey. And I'm Tiffany Wright. GovTech Talks tells the positive stories of technology being used in the public sector to better their communities. Today, we're talking with Rodrigo Leong, co-founder and CEO of Samba Nova, which empowers organizations to quickly deploy modern AI capabilities to solve complex problems. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. We're excited to have you. Um, we'd love to just hear in your own words a little bit more about uh, Samba Nova and how it came about, if you wouldn't mind sharing that. Yeah, of course. You know, I started this company back in 2017 and uh, collaborated with two Stanford professors around uh, thinking thinking about how what is this next wave of technology that's coming? And we became very clear that artificial intelligence was going to be a big player in this next wave of tech. We had, you know, the internet come in and completely change everything we do. And we had, you know, the mobile world come in and suddenly, you know, our our lives became completely attached to these mobile devices. And now the next thing that you see is is AI, artificial intelligence, and people talking as much as they're talking about it, we're just, just scratching the surface on it. And so 2017 came around, two good friends, uh, of what professors at Stanford started to do some research and started thinking about, well, what is it that we need to do to participate in this world that's going to be dominated by AI? And what, what became very clear to us at the time was um, the hardest problems that the world's facing is going to require technology that we just have not seen yet. It's not just about kind of you know making things a little bit easier to access, a little cheaper to get. No, this is stuff that we just have not invented as humanity. We just have not invented, right? And so, so what became clear is what we need is technology that allows us as humanity to invent those things. That's what we need, right? And you know, how do we do it? This is a journey of how we do it. But what we need is technology, hardware, software that allows us to then begin the work of innovating, inventing, discovering, and solving these large, large problems that I think um, Jen and, and Tiffany, you brought, brought up in, in the beginning. How does it affect humanity? How does it affect everything that we do you know, on this planet? And, and it's not any one company, it's not any one individual, but it's all of us participating. And I think, uh, uh, I think we're at the beginning of this new arc, right? Where uh, we saw with the internet com- coming in and thousands of opportunities, thousands of new things got created off of that new technology that, that broke in. AI will do the same. And I think we're going to have incredible amounts of opportunity as we think about how AI is going to transform the way we live, the way we do things, the way we, um, you know, the businesses operate and the way that every human in, the, in, this, uh, in this world uh, interacts with each other. That's so exciting. I, I love that perspective, too, of just how it's going to be. Uh, it'll be mainstream, right? We all use our cell phones every day. And that was a little scary and different for people at the beginning. But it's and it's an exciting uh, horizon that we're facing. And of course, Jen and I are particularly excited and a lot of our listeners are on how this can impact those people who are charged with um, all of our safety. And at the end of the day, you know, there are some great public servants out there who are looking at things like climate change and 
gosh, where um, where are there going to be changes in in our climate? Where is the next earthquake quite going to happen? And what buildings do we need to be sensitive to? How is um, AI? You know, maybe you could tell us some specific examples of where AI is helping with. Uh, I know you've been involved in some you know er- earthquake prediction. Um, oil gel- drilling, satellite imaging. Um, how how is that happening with AI as the backbone of those projects? It's yeah, really exciting work. You know, we uh, we we started very early on uh, with the U.S. government. You know, and really collaborating with uh, the Department of Energy and a couple other departments on, uh, departments on how to actually take this core technology and create real things, right, and create real change in the way that people engage and, and, and um, do work. And so you mentioned a few of them, but I'll start, you know, when we started the company, it wasn't, it was just a couple of years in after that, we got hit with a global pandemic, right? We got hit with this, uh, you know, I mean, who would have thought that overnight the world stopped, right? No more travel, you know, no one going to the office. No, I mean, right. And so, um, um, and right at the time, right at the time, what you saw, or maybe we didn't see, but what was actually happening behind the scenes was this incredible, this incredible coming together of all these people worldwide to try to figure out how do we solve this thing? You talk about public health and some of the things that people are coming together to do. I mean, there was no clear example, right? Then when COVID hit, and you had the entire planet coming together and figure, well, how do we combat this, right? What do we need to do? Sure, there are the safety things on processing, you know, really being able to model how does the um, how does the pandemic actually progress through communities, through nations? I mean, remember when we started, we had we had the newscast, you know, showing how many people were affected in every region, et cetera, et cetera. And yet, there were entire countries with zero cases, entire countries, right? But the ability to model, understand, well, how is this progressing is something that artificial intelligence had a, had a part in. Really, where we kind of really got into uh, uh, con- contributing this with the, the U.S. national labs uh, was really in participating in the drug discovery portion of it, right? And if you think about the experimentation of what it takes to combat a virus like that and what helps, what doesn't help, the combinatorials of all the possible things you could do Right, to try to try to deal with this particular virus was um, incredibly difficult, and especially in a shortened time frame like that, it was just not practical. You, and, you, know, you uh, we we've all heard the cycle of drug discovery for most pharmaceutical companies. I mean, is in many many years, and yet we were trying to compress all of it into a short amount of time because we needed it. And so, artificial intelligence became a key part of that. That instead of doing dozens of experiments at a time to try to figure out how to actually create the right cocktail, if you want to say, of the right things to combat this. They were able to do thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of of experiments at the same time, which then contributed to that. And so that's just one very specific use case that we were uh, uh, very uh, uh, involved in to try to figure out how to to actually help in a a situation where you had... um, a certain urgency, right, or a certain urgency to solve problems. A lot of a lot of data out there, but just frankly, not enough experience battling something that the world had never seen, right? And so, 
So uh, the machines really came in, uh, uh, came in and were able to actually accelerate some of the work that otherwise would have taken many, many, many more months. And that's a great example, especially, you know, as a, as a worldwide problem. What about uh, state governments? You know, is this something where at a state level, thinking of some of the coastal states that, you know, we work with um, in their, you know, quest for predicting climate change models, things like that. Is that being done or is that where you see, you know, do you see it moving from federal down to the state level or are some states already getting involved in this? Yeah, I mean, states, you know, some some resource organizations, you you see it. And it's not just in the U.S., it's actually globally that, you know, we're working with uh, uh, some some um, institutions in Japan today that you, know, you mentioned about earthquake forecasting and the effects of it. I mean, you know, the the uh, the the people like us who don't understand earthquakes, we kind of see it in the news, and there's a nice little red dot, and you see these concentric circles, kind of you know showing you know, okay, well there was an earthquake here, and it's uh, it affects this region. Well, it turns out, and, and this is something that I'm learning, is that. The effects, the actual effects of the earthquake is not, certainly is not symmetric in a circular form, right? <laughs> you know, it runs along a fault. There's some, some behaviors that we as people are still understanding. And there are these organizations that are, you know, just local organizations doing research um, using artificial intelligence to take all the data. I mean, they've collected data for decades, decades on these uh uh, uh, on these earthquakes to be able to predict, well, how is it going to travel over a period of minutes, right? And as you know, in some of these places, I mean, depending on, on the severity of it, I mean, minutes, it's a huge, a really important uh, lead time to be able to actually have a response to areas that might be affected, right? And so there's just some phenomenal research that's being done uh, throughout the world at local levels to be able to then produce um, produce knowledge that ultimately you can see very directly that it could affect uh, you know uh, safety of uh, local communities. Yeah, yeah, that's such a good point, and I think um, one of the questions that that I had, and this is kind of jumping around a little bit, was about actually the the data sharing piece. Um, and kind of trying to understand, you know, you have these research institutions, they have all this data. What about when you're working with an organization that needs these AI models and might not? I, I know what you work with are mostly lo very large, large amounts of data. Are you always working with the customer's data to model their their AI um, different data models? Or do you have other data that you use to um, for lack of a better word, like teach the AI computer to create these models. I'm right. just curious how that data sharing works. We're really excited about this. One of the biggest, the world changed, the world changed around November of last year when suddenly every human on the planet started seeing this thing called chat GPT. Like, what is this thing, right? You know, I can, you know, I can type something in and write a paragraph for me. Right, it can write a song, right? And and the the, the beauty of this thing is, um, and obviously AI is a lot more than the chat, right? I mean, it's a lot more than that. But what it did for us as a human population on this planet to open our eyes to what it's possible, what's possible with this technology, 
right? Because prior to that, as you mentioned, there's just a lot of noise. Like, oh, I I need to I need to have some AI in my company. It's like I need to you know have, you know I need to something like you know I gotta bring bring something into my company, right? Well, what is it? Like, what specifically does it do for me? And November comes around and ChatGPT shows up, and suddenly people start getting a sense of, oh my god, right? This is game changing because everything that we've done suddenly can be enhanced, accelerated, improved. Like it can all these things with an assistant like uh, uh, ChatGPT, right? So for us, we've been in this business for 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 uh, six years, and and you know there's uh, so much. Uh, marketing, so much uh, uh, um, um, visibility that that got that really helped us kind of get our message out that we've been talking about as a smaller company for many, many years, but it just did not have the same megaphone that a Microsoft and Azure has, right? And so so suddenly you have this thing that's out there, but you, you touch on a really important point, Jen, which is six months in now, people are starting to realize, wait a minute, what happens when I actually talk to it? Is my data now being recorded? So if I ask certain things, is it now registered in that model in perpetuity? And the answer is yes, right? And so if I upload code so that it can actually create some comments for me, does that code become part of the public domain? Which is yes. And so I, I people are starting to realize, oh, wait a minute, hold on. Hold on. It's like, you know, I mean, it's one thing for my high school kids or college kids to be able to kind of ask some fun things, something else for me to take corporate IP or government IP and putting it on the domain without understanding the implications of dis disclosing that into a public model, a shared model, right? And so so this is where we come in. So uh, as someone over what, with, with most organizations, what we start with with folks is the following. We say, for your business or your organization, is it important? Is it important for you to own the model? Own that model, right? Because what's a model? A model is a fast, efficient encapsulation of your data, right? So if I start with a model, right, which someone over provides, we, you know, we always tell people we give you a hot start on AI, right? So you don't have to start from zero. We come in with a pre-trained model that gives you those functions. But really what most organizations want is they want to know, oh, what what is Rodrigo Leong at Samanova saying? Not some random, although my name, you know, Rodrigo, I don't think there's that many out there in the world, but but you know, but you 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 can see it. You know, most companies want to know what their own CEO is talking about, what their own you know HR person is talking about. Don't right? They want their own information as top billing, right? The rest of the world information is secondary billing. Right? I don't need it. But in these public models, everybody's equal priority. Right? I care about the government as much as I care about Jay-Z's music, as much as I care about the the 49ers of equal importance, because it's a public model that was trained on public web. Right? Because I don't know if you're a high school kid actually learning about, you know, trying to create Jay-Z songs or you're trying to, you know, actually write a business report for Bank of America. We don't know, right? But if you are a if you're an organization that's trying to integrate AI into your business, one hundred percent of the time you care about your business more than everybody else, right? And so what we do in Samanova is we bring the AI platform to you 
when we start training on your data so that that model becomes far, far smarter about your data, your information, your products, your people, your services, and then the rest of whatever we crawled on the World Wide Web, right? Once you have that, then you go back to the first question I asked, who should own that? For us, um, being a platform, we are a place where a lot of that data gets collected, but ultimately our customers own their data, right? So it's a little bit different in the fact that you actually own the data model versus the actual raw data. Yeah, that's exactly right, Jen. I think this is your, your spot on. So um, let me ask you this question then, and this is being litigated in the world of AI today, okay? Let me just say that I have access. I have access to your publications and your you know, sources as a viewer, as a customer. I signed up as a customer. I get to access. Well, I take my model and I I start scraping that data to train my model. Okay, so I learned everything that you and your client, you know, your your uh, community has talked about. All the information as a legal viewer, reader of your platform, listener to your platform. Right? That I, I've done nothing wrong so far. I'm going to flip that around and actually create, let that model start generating content and selling it to people. Okay? So I learned it from you. It's capturing that model. I'm not using any of your data. I just learned it. Right? Think of employees leaving, except I've, my, my machine has perfect memory. Okay? My machine has perfect Right? Remember every. Now I'm going to turn around and sell that service to somebody else. Well, who owns that? Right? So that's being litigated today on ownership of data in terms of commercial use, right? And so, so what happens here today is for us to just really be clear as a community to understand IP rights, who owns what, right? And you, 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 you see this today that if, if I took somebody's data, right, and I'm the steward of it, and you say that person retains it, I can show it for certain things, but that person owns it. They own it. They have the right to say do not distribute. If you have a model that learned on that, Right? Do I have today the right to go back and say you cannot distribute that model that incorporated my data in? And today's no, because that model also includes hundreds of other people's data. Right? And so that's a challenge that you have with these models today. And this is where Sambanovo is very, we were very intentional in what we did. We create a pre-trained model that's in the open, an open model that allows you to view exactly what it is. And so, um, and, and, and I'll, I'll simplify. The reason why most of the model companies do not open the model, because that's the IP. That is the IP, right? It's like asking Coca-Cola for their recipe. Like, you show, show me your recipe. Like, that's the IP. And yet, that IP is being improved, enhanced, evolved every time somebody's data comes into is added to it, right? So now you're having that secret recipe entangled with customer's ownership of data, right? That's that's the that's the issue. So as some of what we decided to do was be very intentional about IP ownership and model ownership. We start with open models, right? And what that means is I took a model, I use all open data, which we partnered with people on, and we created a model that does a lot of the chat things that people want to see. Okay, we just that's what we started with. And so we know people want that level of engagement. We know people want to be able to ask questions and have it generate things and all, all of those things. 
Now, we also know that people want that except knowledgeable to my organization's information, right? What did my CEO talk about last week, right? Oh, what, you know, what did my competitors talk about? You know, that's, that's our world. This this tiny little bubble off of the entire world's data, right? But that little bubble is incredibly valuable to that organization, right? And so, so you start there and you say, okay, well, I want to train on that data, but I don't want to give that data up. And I don't want to give up the results, resulting model of that. And so at Samanova, we, we come in and say, once we train on your data, it's your model. Your data, your model. Full ownership, meaning you walk away. If you decide that, hey, you know what? This guy, Rodrigo, he's nuts. I got to fire him. You know, and so we, Samanova, leave. You retain the model. You retain the model that you train. You retain the, because your data, your model, right? And so this is where we think it's a crucial point to understand with artificial intelligence that, you know, sometimes you would think about the use cases, is it this, is it good for that? Well, let's understand ownership first, right? Because if you don't, you're going to get yourself into a lot of trouble. Absolutely. And and I think that <clears throat> a lot of people are looking at that now and what's the right approach? I mean, we work with customers all the time in public sector who are happy to share information. I mean, the use case you were using earlier in earthquakes, what a beautiful thing to be able to share with other communities from a safety and prevention standpoint. And so, you know, your example of Coca-Cola, they don't want to share their recipe with Pepsi, but, you know, one county might be very willing to share their information that they've learned about what's happening in their community with the neighboring community. So public sector does make a great position to share modeling across each other. But then there's that asterisk where you go, but we don't want our citizen data shared. We don't want all these different pieces. And that's what makes it so tricky to regulate. Um, and, and we've talked quite a bit about, you know, the regulation piece and, and how people are taking care of, um, you know, their data in particular, um, you know, at a, at a local level, but how do you see the future rev- regulation um, globally? Like, do you see, um, I know everybody's kind of chimed in on this from the AI um, segment. What's your prof- your professional take on how this will be regulated going forward? I actually think, you know, this is you know, incredibly important. I mean, you bring up a great point that the governments, especially parts of the government, like research organizations, incredibly collaborative in terms of data because they have the data and they know what they can and can't uh, uh, release, right? What we find in having worked with so many of the public sector organizations, you know, the uh, Department of Energy and internationally with a you know, number of different organizations internationally, we're in Fugaku in Japan, you know, it's... Um, it's really the inbound data, right? What they want to know is, are you bringing data that once brought into my system, I can share broadly? So it's actually the reverse, right? They want to make sure that whatever you contribute to it is something that they actually have the right to, to have, right? And, you know, for exactly what you're talking about, right? If there is client data, patient data, whatever information that can be disclosed, they're very good at making sure that that's actually handled in a way that doesn't get widely distributed in a way that cannot be controlled. So I, I actually think the public sector is incredibly sophisticated in managing that, which is uh, which is really great. And I actually, my view of it is actually um, perhaps a little oversimplified, but I actually think that we already have a construct in the world for this. Right, that we actually have a construct for IP. My my belief 
is intellectual property, right? Intellectual property is ultimately um, um, human intellectual property. <laughs> I think the Supreme Court just validated that uh, uh, that this week about uh, kind of IP rights of if if a robot goes and generate lots of patents you know, versus like a, a human, does the robot have the rights to protect it? I think the the, the, the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court, has already weighed in on that, but. I, I fundamentally believe that we have a construct in the world around IP, which is uh, human intellectual property. So what humans have generated is intellectual property. And once we have that, we should credit the people who invented that, right? And so I think that that data and the versions of that data come around, along with it should, should remain with, you know, with the people who invented it. They should have the uh, opportunity to actually um, decide how, how that information is used. And we do that already today. Like, especially, I mean, you're in your field, right? There's so much content that actually is being generated in all these different places. And there are mechanics on how to actually share the content because not everybody can be in every place at the same, you know, all, all the time, right? And so there are mechanics for how to share that data, share the content, share information, you know, so that you can actually all provide the, you know, full full um, um, service and experience that is necessary. And I think AI is just another medium for that, right? That you want a model that does all of these things, right? That there are ways to bring in data in a way that is controlled and allows people to actually protect their intellectual property and create these amazing things that will completely change the way that we operate. You know, five years from now, this plan will look completely different Hopefully in a much much better way. <laughs> Hopefully in a much much better way, solving some amazing things that we haven't been able to solve for decades. Uh, but it will require us as a society to engage and participate and help guide it and put guardrails and do all the things that we've got to do because the same thing happened when the internet showed up. Right when the internet showed up, people said, "Oh my God, there will be no more privacy. There will be people actually publishing, you know, false information out there. There will be a lot of this, a lot of that." Guess what? Twenty-five years later, what? It all came true. Right? It all became true. And so we have organizations have to come in and look. Let me scrub the information. Let me make sure that it's all clean, so we're not, you know, uh, providing, you know, whatever bad information out there. And 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 so all of those things are cross checks. For us as a society, we're going to have to do here as well. And yet, put it this way, 25 years later, none of us envision a world where the internet isn't around. In fact, when the internet comes down, we're all panicking, right? It's, oh my God, how do I live? So I think, you know, I think you're going to be in the same thing, you know, to the extent that there's worry and concern about, well, will AI take over? Will we be too dependent on AI? Well, maybe. And yet, you know, just like the Internet, probably most of us will go back to will never go back to a world where AI isn't helping us. Right. Because the things that it opens up, the things that it does will significantly improve our lives. And I think we just won't go back. Uh, my uh, soon to be mother in law, uh, she she brought up to me when we were discussing uh, you know, having this conversation with you, she said, you know, but what about the humans involved in it? And I think that that is kind of the scariest element of AI in our future is the human element. It's bad actors getting a hold of the data um, that's generated from AI and what will they do with it? Um, and I think that, you know, protecting ourselves from from the other humans that get it might might be the biggest threat that we have and not the machines. You know, we've all got that 
you know, mindset of the movies that we've seen where, where the computers take over. But I think that it's really, it's who it's in the hands of. And, and that regulation piece is going to be important going forward. And, and ultimately that falls on a lot of the people that we, you know, that our listeners, you know, that make up our listeners at a community level, at a state level, at a global level, you know, what are we doing to put those guardrails in place um, to use it for the good of humanity and um, not leaving those gaps for bad actors to step in and use the IP in ways that, um, you know, wouldn't benefit us all. Yeah, that's right. And, 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 but but I'll put, you know, you bring up the human piece. I'll put the, the, uh, the side that I'm excited by with the, with AI, right? If you look at kind of what these technologies, uh, have enabled the internet. When the internet showed up, it lowered the barrier of entry for any person to open a store in their garage and sell globally. But prior to that, I mean, you better have a, a store, right? Remember, is it real estate location, location, location? Like you better have a store, store in the right location with the right. I mean, you had, you had to do that to start a business. Suddenly, with the internet, you could actually stock up a garage, and look like a top-tier store globally, right? And so AI, one of the things that I'm really excited about AI is actually not replacing humans, but I actually think it's going to make us significantly more productive and more importantly, is going to lower the barrier of entry for you to get into almost any field you want to get into. You no longer need to be an expert in this before you can enter that field because why? You've got an assistant that knows that more than probably even the experts. You know what I mean? So, so I think what you're going to see is it, you know, because one of the most, most common questions is like, well, oh, it's going to replace my job. Actually, I think it's going to create jobs. Actually, it's going to create jobs and it's going to create jobs in ways that people didn't even think that they could, they could contribute because they're like, well, I'm not trained for that. I don't have like the expert. I didn't do 20 years uh, of, uh, well, if you want to get into these machines can help you get a hot start into it. Right, you can come in and you can say, "Well, I don't know this, but I really want to get into it." Well, it comes with all this knowledge pre-baked. You don't need to actually do it yourself. And so, I actually—that's one of the things I'm most excited about. Yes, there'll be bad actors, and we have to kind of, you know, do that. But you know, guess what? When when internet showed up, an entire industry of cybersecurity was created. Okay, it's one of our biggest industries. In this country, and all the biggest departments in the federal, you know, you know the, the the cyber. Guess what? There will be entire industries created to help us as a society to figure out how to actually use the technology in a positive way. And yet, what I think we need to understand and really embrace is the fact that you know the, the capabilities of technology, whether that's in healthcare and being able to find, you know, identify cancer cells faster than, than, than humans can, whether that's about earthquakes or being able to actually take satellite imagery and look at climate changes over a period of time that you could just never do before, or COVID and doing COVID uh, drug discovery. Any of those things that really improve humanity, I think one of the biggest impacts will actually be that it's going to significantly improve access to industries for the workforce. That people who before felt like they weren't trained, they didn't have the opportunity, they didn't have the skill, whatever it is that was a limiter, a barrier to entry to a particular job, that bar is going to get lowered because the machines will help you enter. 
Yeah, that's um, a really good point. And actually, one of the things we wanted to talk to you about is is the workforce shortage that we see across many industries, but especially in government. Um, we talk to our customers about it right now very often. Um, and you mentioned that customers with Samba Nova and other AI tools can build out AI models overnight. Um, and you don't have to hire a lot of people, but it also frees up those people's time to do more strategic initiatives, spend time actually solving the problems with those AI models versus trying to figure out what the problem is and how to solve it. Now you have the data overnight that you can use to move forward and be proactive versus reactive. So um, how do you think that that is going to, specifically within the government, um, help them to face like this workforce shortage that they're seeing, especially in technology, um, and help them to just focus more on those strategic initiatives. Here's, here's, uh, and maybe you can relate to this because I think, you know, the most organizations, the thing that they have the most of is the thing that they're using the least, right? And that to me is actually information, right? And governments is the number one holder of information in the world, right? If you actually look at any, any organization, 80, 80 to 90% of the information they have is trapped somewhere and they, they don't know how to access it. Yes, we experience that all the time. <laughs> I don't know which contract. I don't know some some email somewhere. I don't like how do I how do I unlock all of it, right? And so what do you have now? So and most governments are saying, and large organizations are also very similar. You have entire organizations just organizing that data. Well, can you kind of shove this into this database or create this report? I mean, well, summarize it again. Take that report and summarize it into this report. And I mean, think about the shortage of what, what causing the shortage. The shortage is everybody just trying to access that information, but because we can't get to it, we we hire all these people to try to brute force our way into it, right? Can you find this? Can you create a new report? Can you analyze? Can you summarize all of these things into something? Can you produce, right, produce these reports and then summarize into a chart and present this? I mean, just think about your any any given day. How much of it is finding information, analyzing information? integrating the information and generating some output based on that information, right? Think about how much of your day in your organization's day is that, okay? What if I can come in and say, I'll let the machine go scan everything that's out there. I'll let it integrate all the information that you want me to integrate. Then I'll actually produce an analysis based on what you get. And by the way, if you don't like that analysis, Ask it again in three seconds to generate a new analysis for you. <laughs> right? I didn't like that. Right? Can you make it a little bit more about this? Okay, three seconds later, it will produce a different version of it. If you don't like it, try it again. Right? So, but, and then finally, put it in the slide. Put it, generate. I mean, you see these, uh, you know, you generate PowerPoints, generate slides, generate presentations, generate entire marketing documents all around that information. Now, think about if that. Right? If that is the capability of one model, not doesn't, one model does that, right? And so if one model does that, 
what like all 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 that brain power, all that talent that's kind of running around trying to collect information, integrate information, like type it up, you know, reformat it, reshape it. I'll get some more of this, sprinkle a little more of that. Like, I mean, all of that stuff that people are doing every single day just to get us information so we can kind of try to digest it, you know, kind of what decision we were trying to make. What if the machine just does it for you? Right? Just does it. It's like, ah, you know what? That's still not the right analysis. Can you can you just look at it from this place? And the robot does it, does it for you. You don't need, oh, give me two days. Let me go on that. What if that's what if that's the standard mode? Right? And governments hold the most amount of that information, right? Most of and most of it is in very secure environments. Right? And and, and really lay it for, for good reasons, right? And so our, our uh, uh, this is where we find so much success in the public sector because we bring our systems to you. We bring our system, our, our hardware, software, models, all integrated into these appliances that deploy anywhere you want. It could be in the cloud, it could be on-prem, wherever you want. But our, our model is your, your data, your model. So we'll bring it to you, train on your data, and you use it. Use it wherever you want for that very specific use case, which is ask whatever it wants whatever information you want and just let it let it generate the stuff that you need you have more important you have more important things to do they're judgment calls that you have to make right they're decisions you have to make let the machine do the grunt work let the machine put together the information you need and they'll have more access to data and more capability to actually integrate all the information than any human can have and what's the time frame that it takes on an average project to get that hardware, get everything set up and, you know, start the actual process? Well, I mean, our systems, because they're pre-trained, we ship in 30 days, right? Uh, we ship any, anywhere you want, we ship in 30 days. And um, our last installation was a multi, you know, it's a, it's a large installation. Uh, they, were, uh, they were up and running and training in the first 45 minutes. That's fascinating. You gotta let me plug power. I need power, so you gotta, you know, so plug in power. You gotta plug in the internet cable so the data can be flooded in. And you know, so once the data is in, they were yeah, they were uh, up and training on their data in forty five minutes. And so, and again, it varies, right? I think you know the uh, depending on what data you have and what you're trying to do. We usually say um, it takes um, you can get up and running, starting to do real work on the machine. This is why we say it's a hot start, that you're doing real work that you have to do anywhere anyway. But all of that training on your data, that's still in the in the context of a business user, that's still preparation work, right? Because you're not you're still not able to get uh, information out that's based on your data because the machine's training on your data still, right? But you want to start training right away and so that you, you you get the model smarter and smarter about you and your business and your products and your services right so you need to do that first and once you do that then within a few weeks we're starting to actually you know tie that into certain types of workflows right you know maybe we start chatting maybe we start doing sort of summarizing documents for you there's that's one of the most common things that is it seems silly but one of the things that people want us to do is just like can you have the machine just uh, read all these documents and give me the top five points? That's all it was. Like, just read this thing. Just give me the five-point summary. I was like, okay. Yeah. And if you don't like the five points, like, give me the six-point summary. We'll just redo it. We'll give you the six points. Right? So something as simple as that, it becomes a productivity 
improvement for every person that's doing work because otherwise you you're trying to pull out right what's uh, what's important for you to know especially when you have so much to do right and so but again again the workflow part is something that early days we still have to learn we still have to figure out how to build it in as a community we have to say how much can i trust it right i mean the machine saying this how much can i trust it so i think you still have that give and take that's going to have to happen for a few years as people kind of understand okay these things they do well these things that ah, it wasn't the right result right and you know even with chat gpt you know my, my you know my kids started starting to see that ah, this is not entirely right right you know it does the thing that you know it's called hallucinations right the the model will start mixing things up right and so uh, so you have to be a little careful with these public models. Um, this is where for us, when we do search, you always do search that's referenceable, right? That's referenceable, meaning I answer and I'll give you a point and say, this is where I pulled it from, right? How long How long do I have to hold a particular package sitting at the border of this country in order to whatever, whatever, right? You know, if I say it's four weeks, it's not because I just searched the web and many people said four weeks is a good amount of time. It's not, you know. Like show me, show me where you pulled it from, some official document that I can follow through. Because in some cases, it's really important for you to know exactly what the rule is. And in some cases, you don't care, right? In some cases, you're writing. When ChatGPT first came out, somebody sent me a very brief uh, rap about my company. It's like Summonova, a rap about Summonova generated by. You know, it's like okay, well that's funny. It doesn't have to be perfectly accurate, but it's fun, right? But if you're in governments, if you are in business, if you are in some of these industries. Accuracy is incredibly important. You have to make sure that not only you're doing the right thing, you're doing the right thing, following the rules. You just don't have time to actually figure out what are the rules and the machine can help you, right? The machine can get to those and say, this is what it is on this year's rule. This is what you have to do, right? And so, so that's where I think it's a subtle difference between kind of a consumer use case where, you know, you got hundreds of millions of people just interacting for fun versus business use case, industries, governments, you know, where, where you have to, where, you, where, the, uh, uh, where the quality of the result, the quality of the decisions incredibly important. Rodrigo, it was so great to have you. Thanks so much for your time today and for sharing all of your knowledge with us. Um, we can't wait to share it with our audience and um, we look forward to seeing what Samanova has uh, coming in its, its future. Great, absolute pleasure and uh, great chatting with both of you and, uh, and look forward to uh, seeing you in person sometime.